ILS would like to dedicate today's episode to Brianna Taylor, an ER technician, daughter, sister, girlfriend, and aspiring nurse that was tragically shot in her sleep one year ago today. We'd also like to extend our condolences to families and victims of the 534,000 deaths due to COVID or complications from COVID in the U.S. Sources for more information and how to do your part to help will be posted in the show links below. Thank you for listening. What up, mi gente? It's Vero Fuerte. Yo, the Prakal Americano, a.k.a. Mexican Natsu. And we're here to help you navigate the world as two Hispanics, Latinos, Latinx, brown people. What are we again? Well, that's what we're here to discover on the In Limit Spanish podcast. Each week, you'll listen in on two millennial minorities chop it up on what it means to navigate both cultures on and off the internet. Along with the latest in music, movies, and more. Here, here on, on the, the In Limit Spanish podcast. podcast. What up, what up, what up? It is Vero Fuerte, or as they'd like to call me, V-Money, along with my co-host, Ricardo Mexicano. Say what's up, Ricardo. Folks, don't let her confuse you or let her propagate this lie. Nobody has ever called her V-Money, Money V, V-Bucks, n- none of that. I have called myself V-Money, and I am someone, am I not? Un- unlike myself, who has actually been called our baby baby R Nobody by Nobody has people. called you our baby except for maybe the women that you pay on Tinder, Mexicano. I've never even downloaded Tinder to okay. bring up my Apple account. Never downloaded once in my Whatever, life. Whatever, homie. Once again, propagating lies. No, no, not propagating lies at all. What I am propagating is a very, very happy birthday to this week is going to be Bad Bunny, who was born on March 10th, Eva Longoria, and AJ Lee. So happy birthday to you guys. But, uh, Mexicano, I actually... I'm having a really hard time this week because I made a bet with my brother that I could lose 10 pounds in 60 days by eating two flour tortilla breakfast tacos every single day. I know. I live with you. I've been seeing you uh, at it going crazy. Yeah. Now, but they don't have to be breakfast, right? They can be any time during the day. Yeah, they can be any kind of taco, but uh, the only stipulation uh, for it is that it has to be flour. Like, no matter what, the tacos have to be made out. Oh, now I remember what happened is that he was out, you know, at work, and he and his crew or whatever get breakfast tacos every single morning and he said that's why he couldn't lose weight and i basically challenged him on it you know i i i, I boasted up and i said i could do it and we have 50 dollars on it and uh so far i've been doing fantastic at the eating two flour tortilla tacos part not so much at the second half of it which is the losing weight part i gotta work on that a little bit but there have been t- plenty of times where I've seen you do the taco and then you kind of indulge a little bit too heavy on some other Are things. Are you referring to last night when I dragged you into the downtown cities of Dallas, Texas to go get some popsicles and ice cream and cookies? Did we get ice cream? Yeah. Well, I mean, it was the ice cream oh, inside the I- of the cookie oh, sandwich. Yeah. It was, it was so like I a, would say that. Kind it was of like an ice cream sandwich cookie. Yes. Cookie ice cream sandwich, however you want to phrase it. But we, I mean, we went there because of my idea to go get tacos. Yeah. That was the, that was the Which the, is still perfectly okay for my day. Once. Yeah. Because oh. because that was the only tacos you had that day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh and then you went overboard and then got the rest and then that's when it was all downhill from there. You know what? It's called hashtag balance Mexicano. But speaking of dessert and speaking of food, today, the day that we're recording, March what, fourteenth? Yes. Is also known as three point one four, also also known as Pie Day. That's right, human beings. Happy National Pie Day. There ain't no Spanish word for pie, right? I think it's just pie. Pecan pie, like the first half of that is nueces, right? Isn't that how you say pecan? Well, nueces is like Nuts in general? Well, cacahuate is like nuts. Yeah, 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 but yeah, yeah. nueces, I don't remember that refers to pecans specifically. Okay, refer- so what's the word for pie? For okay. pie in Spanish? I was yeah. saying, I don't I don't know if there is a, a Spanish okay, word Google, for pie in Spanish. what is the word for pie in Spanish? Tartar. Tarta? Oh, yeah, tartar. What the heck? <laughs> I've never heard that before in my life. So it'd be like una tarta de nuez. Yeah. Like a nut pie. Yeah. 
Wow. Okay. The more you know. Fabulous shout out to the local businesses here in the DFW area. Emporium Pies that was running a special promotion today. If you could recite the first 20 digits of the number pi, you know, like 3.14, etc, 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 then you could get a free slice of pie. And what does your girl Vero Fuerte do? I have learned how to recite the first 20 numbers of the number pi. But you know me, I'll do anything for dessert. So it was well worth it in my opinion. Which I'm super proud of you doing. You you did it. Free free dessert at that. Yeah, I mean, it might not help me win the bet with me and my brother. But, you know, that's a whole different story. Yeah. Speaking of food, I know that you had uh, something to tell me about earlier this week regarding Chinese food. Yes, this is something that I've always noticed. I'm pretty sure other people have noticed, but I don't know if they ever vocalized it. So we know how popular Chinese food is in America in general. You know, whether it be takeout Chinese food, uh, a buffet Chinese uh, Chinese place, whatever floats your boat when it comes to indulging in the uh, in the culinary specialty of the Chinese culture, right? Uh huh. I've always wondered if people have took taken a notice to how much Mexicans enjoy Chinese food. And when you go to a buffet, specifically when you go to a buffet, I'm willing to guarantee it is 80% Hispanic people in that place munching down on some orange chicken. And that's why I, I, I want to call this topic that Chinese food is just as Mexican as Mexican food. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a seasoning in, in, the, in the food, but Mexicans love Chinese food like there is no tomorrow. I have never witnessed this before, but I mean, maybe this because I didn't actually eat Chinese food until like I was maybe 12 years old. So you really see a lot of people in a Chinese restaurant. You like said you've never been to a Chinese buffet either, have you? Uh, n- not until I was like way older. I think maybe I was over 18 by the time right. I went to my first Chinese buffet. No, you buffet. go to Chinese, especially East Texas. And I'm pretty sure if we go to one here, uh-huh. guaranteed to be like 70, 80% Mexicans. Hmm. And there is something about cheap, greasy Chinese food that just gets our senses well i will say i will say that as far as the chinese and the mexicans or the chinese or the latins like we do have a lot in common when it comes to our love of carbs you know they love rice they love noodles we love rice we love well i mean i guess like we love rice so there's that tortillas exactly exactly so we have that in common i just never really made the connection before oh yeah man like not just like buffets, like this. Like I said, this this extends through the whole the whole platform of what Chinese food is. I mean, my mom will sometimes get a there's like a Chinese spot, like maybe five minutes down the road. She'll like after church. I know she's been known to go there, and then she'll sometimes call me like if I'm back in Tyler, and she'll be like, "Hey, you want some Chinese food?" And I bet, yeah, yeah, get some. And I'll tell her like what I want, and she'll bring it over, and we be and we and we be turning it down. We be turning the house down. Like there is something about. Chinese food. And like I said, it has to be the cheap, stereotypical general style, orange chicken, green beans, uh the the red uh chili sauce with the with the seeds See, in it. See, this is where like uh, this is where maybe I haven't been around enough. I don't know, I've been around my family and like my family like my mom can get down with some Chinese food I'm and telling you. Uh, most people, but most people can. I they didn't can. think that that was a Mexican thing. I thought that was just, you know, a thing in general. I mean, who doesn't like Chinese Yo, food? Yo, one day if we're ever in Tyler together and we are hungry, to go to the China I'm, I'm taking you to China King uh-huh. and you're about to see that thing looking like Guanajuato. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. I'll take you up on that after uh, I win these 20 bucks from my brother for the taco bit. Yeah. So far, that's not looking yeah, good. Yeah. 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 Hey, you know what? Give me a chance here. But all right. What else do you have for me today, Ricardo? So my next uh, point of interest is something that also that I've taken notice. And maybe it's just me. <laughs> But I want to think that I'm not the only person with this opinion. But I feel like there is a certain elitism that happens when a person has a certain piece of medium, whether it be music or movie. And I'll, I'll just talk about those two because they're like the most easiest to talk about. When they feel like they can relate to something and they got like a deeper sense or like an emotional connection a mental Who's they? resonance. I'm just talking anybody like I said, anybody yeah. who, who anybody, anybody who watches a movie. Anybody yeah. who watches a movie, anybody. And they feel like this like deep emotional, impactful sense after watching a movie or listening to a song. And then you have the other group where it's I like the song, love the movie, but it didn't touch me in the way it's touching you. I feel like there's a certain level of elitism that happens to the to where there's like a split down the middle to where the people who is feeling that connection try to outcast the other people 
and try to make who them feel. Don't, who they don't think, quote unquote, get it? Get it. Yes. Don't quote unquote get in like, oh, yeah, you may have liked the movie, but it didn't touch you like how it touched me. It didn't make Okay, you... so you're trying to like one up them on their semen, like sentimentality and attachment to the movie. No, no, no. Yeah. I'm not trying to one up anybody. I'm just yeah. saying I noticed that. Yeah. No, I... that's what I'm saying. It's like that person would do that, would try to one up the other person. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, that, that's the whole point. Yeah, that the, that the person who has that deeper connection feels the. Um, this entitlement to like this is my movie mm-hmm. and you can watch it all you want but What's you'll never but you'll never get it you saw like an example of somebody acting like, uh, acting out like that maybe maybe portrait of a lady on fire oh okay so what like a bunch of lesbians on the internet were saying like, yeah this is like yeah. my movie you wouldn't understand yeah very uh yeah. empowered feminist yeah, you know, yeah. lesbians, which, like I said, you have your right to feel the way you're going to yeah, feel. Yeah, I'm yeah. not taking that away. It's just don't try to outcast somebody who generally enjoyed a movie, even if they can't connect it to a, yeah, on a deeper I, level. I, I get that. I get that. And also, I mean, the the wonderful thing about the wonderful movie that is Portrait of a Lady on Fire and, and the human condition overall is that the wonderful thing about art in general when it comes to movies or anything like that is the reason that people can relate to it is because there's like something about the human condition or something about a human emotion or something about like a theme that they've experienced before in their own personal life that makes it relatable to them so let's say that you're watching rapunzel you know like the disney plus movie Uh, so disney plus movie well whatever you know what i mean let's say that you're watching rapunzel a disney movie so everybody knows the story of rapunzel and Let's say that you relate to the movie because you were a daughter with a really overbearing mother when you were young, you know, and that's why you relate to it. Uh, You cannot look at another person that loves this movie because she had a really great relationship with her mother, but she you know fell in love with this uh you know rough around the edges type of guy and that's why she can really relate to this movie or when or if you relate to the movie because of the subject of trust what i'm saying is that there's certain there's certain people that relate to like specific things that happen to them in a movie and there are other people that relate to specific things that happen in the theme of the movie and who's to say just because their reason that they get attached to the movie is that their love for the movie is any less but it happens people feel this way and i mean Uh that's the whole point of gatekeeping there's there's, there's the reason that gatekeeping exists yeah that people feel like there are certain things where it's like no this is mine and you're not about to come into this realm understanding or think that you know what you're what you're listening to or what you're watching and you know that happens all the time. People do you are, think are, that? Do you think that some people, uh, some white people, feel that way about like loving the movie Black Panther or something like that? What do you mean? With so much amazing black cinema coming about nowadays, I'm sure that there's like movies like The Black Klansman or maybe uh, Moraney's Black Bottom or movies that recently come out that are really, really great quality. That maybe a white person can say, "Oh yes, I love that movie. I like it's my heart. I relate to it so much." But maybe somebody could be like, what are you talking about? Like, this is not your experience. How can you relate to it? I don't think a white person would ever say that they relate to it. I don't. uh, Well, maybe they think that way. They like it. Yes, I can understand them liking it. See, but isn't that you saying that? Like, the very definition of some sort some sort of gatekeeping because isn't the human condition and human empathy supposed to like overlay you know like the themes of certain pieces of art like a movie but they can go about it by kind of like stating it's kind of like semantics at that point because it's like uh-huh. if they understand the movie cool yeah but a relevance having uh, yeah that's true, having, that's true. you uh, know me yeah. at this point being, i'm just like being, playing devil's it advocate being, it being relatable that's kind of not, i'm not saying it can't happen yeah but i just think on a very surface level if somebody were to say if a white person were to say that related to black clansmen as like the the character the black character in that movie yeah. that'd be kind of i'd be well, kind of maybe he used to be a pi you know maybe he understands the anxiety of the situation not necessarily the racial injustice part true i mean i didn't think black panther was a good movie yeah I like Black Panther. I, just, I thought that it was one of the very few superhero movies I actually really liked. And Black, that's saying a lot. I loved it. Black Panther, to me, is a, a pretty average Marvel movie. Uh-huh. I think it's I think it's more significant for what it did as far as like the casting and being such a, a prominent black film. I think that it gets its kudos all day, in my opinion. Movie-wise, though, 
it's okay. It's just right in the middle. I thought that it was really good because, again, even like just on the general theme, no matter how good a superhero movie is, I usually can't get invested in it. And with Black Panther, I was thoroughly invested. And whether that has to do with the casting or how like badass the characters were, that's I, I, I don't know if that's up for question or not, but I just know that that and Captain Marvel and a couple of other handful of movies, superhero movies, I can actually get into it uh, into them, and that's definitely one of them. And that's funny that you mentioned both of those, and those are like some of the, probably the most average Marvel movies. You're crazy! Out of, out of, out of those two, you mentioned, Marvel, you mentioned Captain Marvel and Black Panther, and in my opinion, and I, know, I don't know so much about Black Panther, like consensus-wise, because a lot of people have more fable stuff to say about that. But Captain Marvel, for sure, that one gets panned all the time. What are you talking about? I thought it was a really good... That one and Ant-Man. That one, too. That one gets panned all the time, too. Maybe it's just horrible... Maybe I just have horrible taste in superhero movies. Maybe. Because I'm like, man, now you mentioning... That's a trifecta. Those are my three favorite superheroes. Those are are like the trifecta (laughs) of like the Marvel movie that most people... You know what's like my my number one favorite superhero movie of all time? Superman. Yeah, the the Christopher Reeve the, the the original. One, the, Christopher Reeve's I mean, original that's a classic. A lot of people like that. I understand that. Yes. I, I don't understand why one. you would like it. That's the hard time because you don't like superhero movies in general. But so. I love Superman. Everybody hates Superman because they because they get in all into his thing about, oh, he's just a man with a god complex. How are you going to get one hero like all of the superpowers and it'd be okay? Like all his battles are super boring because you know he's going to super win. So who super cares? You know? Super win, so who super cares? Yes, exactly. <laughs> I don't think anybody ever says super win or super cares back to back like that. But what I'm saying is I'm trying to make a point, and everybody hates on Superman, but you don't understand like he what he represents. He represents like trust and purity, and like Christopher Reeves just embodied that and embodied that in his role. And I'm so mad for people not recognizing that. But anyway, yeah, we're. I mean, the, the superhero movies, I mean, not superhero, the Superman movies are very complicated because while you do have that initial franchise from the 70s that was very well received, aside from number four, of course, because that one was a complete yeah, was travesty, horrible. and probably in extent number three was kind of a little weak, first two are, are, are classics and a lot of superhero fans, comic fans and film fans, but then since then, the superhero franchise, the Superman franchise, I keep saying superhero, Superman franchise has been not treated the best as far as like Superman Returns, uh, Superman versus Batman. And uh, Smallville, I think that Smallville got pretty good reception. Smallville, Smallville was well received, but yeah. it wasn't it wasn't your conventional super uh, Superman story. Yeah, and that's why a lot of people really loved it. But it was Superman has had a very complicated history. Same thing with with Batman. Mm-hmm. Like outside of those three, Batman Begins, Dark Knight, and Dark Knight Returns. It's had it's had a lot of ups and downs, and that's a lot of DC movies. These, I mean, DC is notorious for having that that smash hit, and then just having a lot of inconsistency. Yeah. But uh, I think there was one more point I want to bring up as far as like the elite of them. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the, it happens from like people who have like a deeper uh, resonance? You're being disingenuous, like people who may not have the the total understanding of like how they feel. When do you, do, you okay, so, they, do you think that's why they exclude people? Because it's like you're not getting the full effect because my perception is this, and because you will never get that, I want to kick you out, kick you out of the club, essentially. Yeah, they're thinking that their feelings are more important and more va- and have more value than the other person's. Right. That's all it comes down to, you know. But who are you to say that your experience is more valid than anybody else's? Yeah, that's true. You know? And that's my whole thing. I mean, okay, so let's take the example of Portrait of a Lady on Fire. What two types of women would relate to the movie and which type of women, I mean, just in theory, uh, would you say would be like, no, you don't understand like how I understand it? Radical feminist. And I don't think it's a more, like, that's why, I, that's why I kept bringing up the word feeling. Because it's not so much that you don't understand the movie or the themes or the plot. It's so much that you can't feel what I'm feeling. Mm. And that's what it ultimately comes down to. And because it's so hard to like, so they would say something like that to men. Do you think? Do you really think a man understands a portrait? There's a man out there that understands a portrait of Lady on Fire as much as like a woman would, or something. On a very emotional, and like just being a woman, I don't think so. I don't think I don't. I think it'd be very. A man would be very uh, hard pressed to like say that he does really understand ca- it on that level. Yeah. Yes, 
But for that to be the reason to exclude somebody from the conversation of like liking a film, I don't. I think that's kind of you know messed up. Yeah, I mean, and it depends. I mean, that same man could also have gone through like a forbidden love, like this, that, and the other. There's several different things and layers as to why a certain person can relate to something, and I don't think that it's up to any one other person to decide. To decide, no, like how could you possibly connect to it the way that I can connect to it? My, I'm just throwing out that that this is this. Yeah. This this happens all the time. People yeah. are like this all the time, trying to gatekeep. That's all it is. For sure. I mean, and that, that, that comes with sort of like a hipster-esque take on the world in general. Speaking of gatekeeping, something else that we wanted to talk about, the aspect of revoking the Latino card. Now, and I wanted to get into it for several reasons, but one especially is I didn't realize until last night that, that you, Mexicano, are necessarily necessarily do that a lot but i do feel like you do have a little bit of gatekeeping tendencies when it comes to the latino card with certain people in our community you're referring to what we talked about last night yes i am referring to exactly what we talked about last night so i brought up the fact that because you were bringing you were talking about how you really like that selena gomez uh has recently Come, come out, out with, with a, a new single. A new single and it's all in Spanish. It's all in Spanish and I'm super proud of her because it sounds sexy as hell. And it's just like, it's all in Spanish. And I'm just so happy for her like getting in touch with that part of herself. I think it's awesome. Yes, that's all great. That's all fantastic. Big ups to her. You already know what to do in 2021. We going crazy. You know, we're we doing it we big. We taking over. We're doing, doing a Godzilla big. You already, know what, you, know, you already know what's going on. But with that being said, Selena to me is one of the few... Latina, Hispanic, whatever you want to call her, artist that has retained her identity, uh, presence of being this woman of color and not being ashamed of it, mm-hmm. or at least the perception of being ashamed of it. Because my argument was that when we're talking is that when Hispanic people get to that level of fame, especially, and we're not talking about like Latin American fame. Because that's kind of different. Like, we're not talking about Telemundo, Univision fame. Like, we're Latino about, celebrity in America fame. Yes, in America. Like, like you know, you're you're on Billboard. You're on MTV. You're, you know, you're doing your thing. When you're in that position as a Hispanic, as a Latino, it's very easy for you to become susceptible to the whitewashing and the the complete, uh, the, they, them stripping you down. When I say them, I mean, like, the industry. Stripping you down of that identity of you. And, I, and and you see it happen all the time. It happens all the time to where you don't even know who this person is anymore. What's the first person that comes into mind? Because you know how I feel about you using that word whitewash so flippantly. But who's the first person that comes into mind when you think of a Latino celebrity that was, to your words, whitewashed? Oh, uh, Demi. Demi Lovato? Demi Lovato, Victoria Justice. Um, I was going to say America Ferrera, but she's... She, no, no. America Ferrera is like the opposite of how you would describe that. From the beginning, I, 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 if it was like maybe like from the beginning, I, I probably would have those thoughts. But she's proven time and time again that she's down for the, she's down for the, you know, la raza. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to take some more examples. I mean, but why would you J Lo? That's a big one too. What the heck? J-Lo? Okay, so that I know that you said you didn't have an unpopular opinion this week, but the fact that you're saying that J Lo is not down for the raza, and the fact that you call that you're right now you're calling J Lo whitewash is a hot take, an unpopular opinion if I've ever heard one Mexicano. I don't think so. In what way do you think that J Lo is whitewashed? I just don't think that she really puts on for. Hispanic like that. I mean, did you see her performance? With uh, do you consider Shakira whitewashed? No. Okay, Shakira well, she was performing is, with her in the Super Shakira Bowl. Shakira is a Latina. That comes. You know, it was like it, it was like sisterhood up there. Sure, but that one that one performance not going to prove anything to me. So I don't understand. But ha- look, I am certain on some level that J Lo is not like. There's no reason that would have me to believe. But here's the thing. Here's the biggest problem that I have with you stating this very unpopular opinion about J-Lo being whitewashed is the phrase of that term in general. You know me. I don't like the idea of someone saying that word because what is that supposed to even mean? The word whitewash to me, it gives this, it gives off this idea that 
there are certain prerequisites out there as to what constitutes a real quote-unquote Latino or Mexicano or Colombiano or whatever and what doesn't. So how do you how would you describe whitewash to begin with? To me, it's not even like prerequisites about like what what is considered yourself to be a Hispanic. It is the the actions and the moves you do to let me know that you prefer that over this. Over that, over what? And why can't you just prefer? Uh, why can't you just prefer both? Because it's very easy, like you said, to kind of like, and you said this word too, to like assimilate to that when you're in that type of sphere. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what it is a lot of time. I think it's because you are in this position of like, well, I want to have the, the 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 most maximum fan base. I want to have the the biggest appeal. And what is the easiest way to do that? Just be generally likable. Generally likable, and what is generally likable to mainstream? I I mean, the phrase is whitewash, but uh, there's also just like, so you're saying because they're not niched enough to our culture. Uh, but, but isn't that, okay, look, I get what you're saying. I get, I get it. Ricardo Mexicano, like, I get it. I think that it is important, whether it's celebrities or artists or whatever may have you, that they are in touch with their culture and that they are in touch where they came from. But also, at the same time, it's like, who are we to tell them that they can't, I don't know, what's something like extremely white, like yoga pants no no i don't know no, hispanic men love yoga pants <laughs> no like, like like drape shopping yeah 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 like thrift stores and drape shopping that like you can like something as white as thrift stores and drape shopping and you can still like vicente fernandez with your mom on the weekends and tacos from the local vaqueria like you don't have to choose one or the other right yeah and like i said this, a lot of i haven't i haven't stated this but a lot of this is a lot of like old thinking Mm-hmm. that I still have remnants of within myself mm-hmm. because I've, I have I have been able to look at somebody and I and I talk to them and get to know them and realize that, hey, just because you're not speaking Spanish, just because you're not identifying with the things that are, you know, quote unquote, traditionally Latino, that doesn't make you any less who you are as a Hispanic, as a Latino. Yeah, the only, I think the only thing, I, I don't know. I, I mean, th- it's almost kind of like the same argument that some people have about revoking Kanye's blackness, don't you think? Possibly because they don't see those traits. Yeah, I mean, I mean a lot of it is it is around. The, uh, you know, my girl Issa hates my boy Kanye, and she's constantly looking his black card. But does she do it along those same lines? Around the same lines about the stuff that he said about slavery being a choice, and ever since that, like she's basically made a lot of public statements during interviews and stuff in regards to Kanye. As far as you know, he's not really there for our people. You know, more or less, just straight up saying that. I, I can understand that frustration because ultimately, even though I've gone to I've I've gone to a place where I can understand how people can be different, and that doesn't make them any less Mexican or or you know Salvadoran, Honduran, whatever it is. There is still that part of me where it's like I've seen it happen time and time again, where you essentially turned your back. You become and, an uncle Tom, and you have no you have no uh, qualm, yeah, yeah, any qualm or worry about it, and it just it kind of sickens me. Because you are trying to, and it, and, it, and it usually becomes obvious when I see it that you're just trying to appease a certain group of people. Como quien? Como white people. Gringos? Just white, white people. people. Yeah, just white people in general. And you're still talking about it in the celebrity sense too, right? Celebrity, but it's personal too. I've seen yeah. it happen in, in, uh, with, uh, with people I've known. So, yeah, so, you're, so you don't like it when people turn into what you perceive as a Tio Tomas. Yeah, I guess you call it that. Yeah, yeah. but but uh, but that's a very extreme word because that implies a lot of other things. If you are genuinely somebody who just didn't grow up speaking Spanish, if you're someone who just doesn't like Mexican food, even then, like if you don't or like, d- this- I know a lot of Latinos on my timeline, and you know what? It's funny because we think about revoking the Latino card, just like revoking the black card. Sometimes can be taken as like a lighthearted joke, you know? Like you see a lot of memes and stuff on the internet and you're like, oh, you're not really Latino if you don't like anything above a mild, you know, mild heat at, at Taco Bell or whatever, right? Uh, or you're not a real Latino if, uh, you know, you don't like aguacates and frijoles and all of this stuff. Like there's a lot of like funny stuff on the internet when it comes to that. Like where it starts to get serious is when when you start legitimately trying to take away someone's identity because they don't eat the same foods that you like or if they don't, you know, enjoy the same music that you like, this, that, and the other. I mean, 
we talked about it last week when it comes to you know me understanding uh mexican music and all of that all of that until when i was a teenager i rejected it but i've loved like latino food all of my life and it's always been the spicier the better but does that do those stereotypes liking latin music and liking mexican food if i were to like just one of them or all of them do does that inherently make me less mexican than another person no i mean and i mean like for instance, I don't like menudo, but some people could see that as a cardinal sin. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I, I, I can't we, stand it. We Latinos, for as much as we care about the comunidad and, you know, family and closeness and togetherness, we also love to, like, shove people out and say, no, you can't get in. Yeah. You I know? mean, my brother, uh, Eddie, he doesn't like uh, avocados. He don't, he don't like uh, avocado. He don't like avocado. He's a Latino. How dare he? He's as Mexican as you can get. I mean, my no, mom- I revoking his latino card his l card no no and my mom my mom is not really the biggest fan of um a spiciness (gasps) what but you're gonna tell her a a woman who grew up in mexico that she's not mexican enough Mm -hmm. i dare you i I, I dare you to to do that you you won't you won't you will not tell her that she's not mexican enough um it's funny though because i've never thought of it of, of i i never thought of it as revoking somebody's card no like that card. because i guess maybe because i never saw myself as having that that sense of power and that's a lie of, because you literally went all up uh, on these celebrities last night. i do yeah but that's just me talking i have no effect in these celebrities lives at the end of the day yeah i can have my opinion about them but i can't ever revoke take their them. L yeah card. i can't revoke their card that's just me well, talking people have no people have no problem on twitter revoking black cards and everything else i'm sure there's like a a deep in sector of twitter where people are uh tweeting around revoking l cards Oh yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. I, I don't doubt that. But even then, I mean, how how impactful are they at the end of the day? Yeah. Well, I mean, it all depends. It, you know, public perception. It just depends how how much how much that person who's receiving the uh, criticism or whatever it may be, how much power I think they decide to give. That. So, are you saying that you are unrevoking Jennifer Lopez's L card? That you should have I never revoked it, it from the start. I never revoked it. I don't it. understand your reasoning on that. You don't even have like a solid argument as far as why Jennifer Lopez is whitewashed to you. There were just certain things about J Lo. Like what? Like the you... fact that she dated A Rod? No, he's he's Dominican. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, like, whatever. No, that's pretty. No, I mean they, there was there was a rumors going around that they that they split, but that's near to here here or there. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't really think of one. I just, it, for me, it's, it's a lot of things based off perception. So yeah. I'm not going to like stay. Like some shallow ass. And see, this is the problem, okay, you guys? We're comunidad. This is in living Spanglish up in here where we welcome people. Don't keep gatekeep them out, kids, okay? Oh, we can welcome them in. That's, that's yeah. no problem. We're going to say something. No, that's some bullshit. Okay, don't let me start in Mexicano. See, this is where I don't even understand sometimes when we have a podcast together because our core <laughs> belief needs to be the same, okay? You know why we have a podcast Whatever. Together. Okay, this is our mission statement. But speaking of Twitter and all of the like, I need you to go ahead and tell me what the hell is going on with Twitter this week, Mexicano. Oh, yeah. You already know what it is, man. What the H-E double hockey stick Twitter. So the latest thing I came across on, the tomfoolery I came across on Twitter consisted of the game, the rapper, some of you may know him, uh, hits such as uh, 100, Hate or Love It, Dreams, Martian vs. Goblins with Tyler the Creator, uh, Celebration with like Wayne, Tyga, Chris Brown, uh, Ali Boumaye. I can go on and on. I'm a big game fan. Love game. But game, if you notice, for people who may not know this, he actually retired as of uh, last year mm-hmm. or the year before. Last album was Born a Rap. And you may be thinking, hmm, that's strange. Game has been doing this since 2005, officially. First studio album. But he's been doing it way before that, like early 2000s. Um, so you may be thinking to yourself, why would Game all of a sudden decide to, decide to quit rapping? You know, because most rappers, even if they say they're going to retire, most of them never do, right? Yeah, that's right. They always come back. But Game actually retired. And it's not a, it wasn't on his own accord. He was forced to retire. And you want to you know why? Okay. He had to go to court for a sexual assault case. He went to court. Woman alleged that she was physically, uh, uh, she was uh, sexually assaulted by him. Don't want to say it's rape because I don't remember if it was rape, but a, a, it was a sexual assault case. And he lost. Had to pay millions and millions of dollars. dollars. 
And because of that, Game experienced a hard financial uh, hardship. So he's no longer, and I think she also owns like part of his music too. It was like a huge, huge mess. And to me, that's just like one of the dumbest things to ever happen to a rapper. At this point in your career, and as like successful as you've been, and uh, the greater the rapper you are, the fact that you did something so dumb as to like a first of all, like you touching a woman and doing what you, what you did is already sickening enough. Mm-hmm. But the fact that your whole career ended as well, and you had to pay so much money, and like even even portions of your music are like possibly owned by this woman, I, I can't confirm that, but I'm pretty sure I remember seeing that. It's so anticlimactic and it's so sad that I'm like, bro, like. But I, it's also like tragically justifying, you know, like it's it, it's uh what's it called? Tell it's like a warning tale for other people. I mean, other than the fact that you shouldn't just do that crap at all, but the fact that you know he lost everything because of that mistake that he made for himself and the woman. Yeah, right. And like, don't get me wrong, game is still successful. I'm, I'm sure he still has plenty of money, still has a big house, has, has a lot of nice things. He's not hurting, but he did take a giant, giant hit. So with all that being said, to give you a little bit of context, Game recently tweeted that he's starting a hashtag Ask Your Girl challenge. If she had all the, all the, and I'll be a little uh, sensory here, if she had all the D she sucked in her mouth at once, how many would it be? And I just looked at this and I'm like, bro. And I even commented it. I left a comment. I'm like, I'm like, Game, you lost a sexual assault case. Please stop. And I and I put a picture of Lil Durk just looking confused because that's how I felt looking at this tweet. I'm like, bro, and I and and some people were 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 tweeting the same like kind of like uh, sentiment that I was feeling. Like like right here, here's another one that reads: Straight men obsessed with penis is fascinating. This should be the last thing on your mind. Oh, this one's funny. <laughs> man, man thinks he's a dictator or something. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Pun hilarious. Sexual assault cases. Oh, uh, and it just, it's very weird. He's 41 years old, man. Yeah. He's 41 years old making tweets like this. Uh, and it's just, and Game has also been known for being corny. This is just a, one example. There's many moments where this man has been, like, very, very corny. It's obviously a man that doesn't care about his future or the future of anybody else. I think me. the saddest thing is that he occasionally tries to present this, 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 this thing about him where he cares about women and he cares about his kids. But then he'll do stuff like this, and then, like, his past will catch... Like, like I hate to admit it. Well, I might even admit anything. This is all public public record. But the game has, like, a like a huge, like, issue with, like, being very misogynistic, very violent towards women. And, like, him trying to, like, present himself as, like, this ultimate daddy and, like, how this ultimate father figure, which I'm, I'm pretty sure his kids love him. I'm pretty sure he's always been there for them. He's always talked to them about him a lot. And they've never had anything to say bad about him publicly i mean some of them are very young but he has like his oldest son i think it's maybe what 17 now or something like that i don't think i've ever seen him any, any, say anything bad about his dad publicly but the game has always had a very big problem when it comes to that mm. as much as i like him and even isaiah they is a big fan of a uh, of game he loves game i think i remember he told me those like two straight years where he he listened to nothing but jay-z and game uh, but even he will admit the game is a cornball. A oh lot yeah, of times. oh yeah, no. I mean, and that's the thing is, it's just, again, it's something that we talked a lot about this week. Actually, is you know how everybody has their own personal line when it comes to separating the artist from the music. You know, we can talk all kinds of bull, like high, holier than thou bullcrap about, like when we think about Woody Allen, or when we think about some people that feel the need to separate Kanye from his music, and when we think about Six Six Nine, Six Nine, yeah, yeah Six Nine. Uh, when we think about him and just the concept of that. So, yeah, I mean, the game is just another perfect example of what happens when you truly do have to separate the the man, from the artist from the art, I guess, if that's even possible. I have very complex uh, feelings about that theory in itself. But, yeah, no, the game is corny, and I've never been that much into his music that much anyway. So, to me, it's not really a loss. I love it, man. I love his music. The music's great. Made some amazing albums. He's very underrated, mm-hmm. in my opinion, when it comes to like albums, songs, flow, just a rapper in general. But as far as the person, yeah, he's never been the greatest person. He's funny. He's entertaining. Don't get me wrong. Those 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 beats with Fifty Cents back in the day, I could watch those things for hours. 
And even like the beef with like 40 Glock, the beef with Meek Mill, he is entertaining. But I can't. But that same thing that makes him entertainment is the same. Entertaining is the same thing that makes him as problematic as he is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So what the hell, Twitter? Mm -hmm. The last segment that we have for today, you guys, is going to be your fan favorite. And by fan, I mean all three of our wonderful listeners, of course. Hi. It is Glow. So good looking out. We go ahead and we tell you what is up with all of the movies we've been watching, the TV shows we've been binging, and etc. This week, uh, it's kind of a bougie edition because we both actually had to uh, do VODs or video on demand and actually pay for the movies. I paid $30, yes, hold your horses, $30 for Raya and the Last Dragon off of Disney+. Plus. It was 30 Yes. I thought it was 20 No, it was $29.99, homie. I'm selling you anything for the content, right? So, <laughs> so I mean, if you think about it, if the, if the folks at home think about it, if they go, like, halfsies with a friend and, you know, do how we millennials do, like, split an account or two, it'll it'll pay off. Uh, yes, it's Ray and the Last Dragon, $30 on Disney+. Plus. You have Sandra Owen oh here, Aquafina, along with uh, music from Janae Aiko. Uh, this is a movie that, when the trailer came out, I was super hyped for this, uh, for this film that was going to mostly from the looks of it be about like southeast asians so it looked very much like gave me an avatar sort of feel you know avatar in the last airbender things like that well long story short it's better than frozen 2 but not as good as zootopia so in my opinion with the last couple of movies that uh or the last handful of movies that have come out with disney they've all had a lot of very similar plots in the sense of you know oh you know the world is divided and people are don't understand each other and don't want to listen to each other so let's you know bring the world together by doing this and this and that and again frozen 2 zootopia that sort of thing i will say that raya and the last dragon like their world building was in Incredible. The animation was stunning and beautiful. And yes, it, it it did very much give me Avatar vibes. It did very much give me a little bit of the themes of Frozen 2, but it was just tweaked enough for it to be really original. And the different kingdoms that they had was also fantastic. And fun fact that I thought was really interesting for this Disney movie is that there were no songs in this one. So, you know... And that's kind of unusual for like a priestess, princess uh, Disney movie. Is Even Moana had songs on it, you know, and that was a very female empowerment sort of film as well. But it had no songs in it. It was just full storyline. My favorite thing about this film has to be the theme. Because two of the biggest things that I got out of Raya and the Last Dragon, the idea of trust, you know, the push and pull that it takes in order to give into the idea of trust, especially after certain people have betrayed you for so long. And more importantly, the second theme is the vulnerability that it takes to trust someone again, how that in and of itself even when two people feel like they have very justifiable sides of their own story how that can make it difficult to trust someone again because in order to do that you have to make yourself vulnerable to the idea that your side of the story might not be all there is again some really heavy themes that i think were explored pretty well with raya and the last dragon and that's why i really like it um what i consider a disney classic not necessarily i think that it had the potential to do so but i feel like some of the characters uh, weren't as fleshed out as I would have wanted them to be. If you can wait, I'd go ahead and just wait until June 4th when it actually comes out for the free on Disney+. Plus. But I'm going to tell you, once you do watch it, it's going to be totally worth it. Uh, your kids are going to love it. There's a lot of funny characters in it. So I give it a solid like 8 out of 10 Veronica stars. It was, it was really good, but I probably wouldn't pay $30 again for it. Pretty early to start calling it a classic. What'd you say? No, I, that's why I said I don't think that it, it. I don't think that it would qualify under a Disney classic. I think we have to just give it a little bit more time. Mm, like I knew that going in watching Zootopia, that it wasn't going to be a Disney classic. I mean, even then, a lot of people haven't referred to Zootopia the classic yet. Yeah, because it, it doesn't have that. You know, I I went in watching Princess and the Frog, and I knew that was going to be at least some form of a Disney classic. Yeah, that one is. Yeah, yeah. I don't think. Do you think Zootopia is a classic now? No. Yeah. I like Zootopia. 
I don't think I I, I per- love Zootopia. Me personally, I don't think I'll ever call it a classic though. It's, no, I don't think it is either. Like, uh, but that's exactly what I'm saying. That's the point I'm trying to make. I went into Zootopia knowing it would not. After I left, I knew that it would not be a classic as much as I like it. But I went into Princess and a Frog, and I know that when I left, I knew that it would be a classic. And even then, Princess and the Frog is very underrated still in a yeah. lot of circles. Yeah, it is, but it's definitely more of a classic than um, than Zootopia or Raya and the Last Dragon. Like I said, Raya's fantastic film. I would definitely recommend watching it, but I also think that you can wait about three more months before you see it. It'll be fine, but when you watch it, you're going to thoroughly enjoy yourself, and that's just, you know, what it is. Cool. Yes. So, and what about yours, Mexicano? So my um, pick for Good Looking Out this week consists of the newest film. It's on Amazon Prime. Uh-huh. It's twenty dollars, and the film we're talking about is Maniri. Manari. Manari. Is it, oh yeah, Manari. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought why did I, why did I think it was Maniri for a moment? Maniri. Manari. Yeah, it is Manari. So this stars uh Stephen Young, who is best known for playing uh Glenn off of Walking Dead, and I think he also played uh I think he was in an episode of the uh, of the Twilight Zone reboot, if I remember. I think he was. Uh, anyway, this movie i think what was scheduled to come out last year because i was going, when i was going through youtube doing a little bit more research i noticed that they were doing interviews like the whole cast like last year mm-hmm. like they're already doing like interviews and i was like kind of like confused i'm like wait a minute has this movie been scheduled to come out for a while now which makes sense because of covid so i can understand why maybe they push pushed it back till now it is a very slow drama but still very funny movie when I was done watching it, I knew I liked it, but there was still this part of me that just felt like it was missing something. And I'm even now, I have a hard time kind of pinpointing what that something is. And I, I don't think it would be, and even me finding that something wouldn't add or take away from the movie. I know exactly what you mean. I felt the same way because we watched this movie together. I yes, know exactly we, what you're talking we about. We did. Uh, just to give some basic plot, it is a immigrant story of a Korean family. They originally lived in California, and they now moved to a very, very rural part of Arkansas, where where the main character, played by Stephen Young, is uh, named Jacob, and he is trying to start a farm for his family. And and in his head, by creating this farm, he will be set up for the rest of his life, mm-hmm. and he will be able to provide for his family, and all that. Uh, but of course, throughout the the film, you see the internal. Uh, struggle of like what it takes to build a farm uh a little bit of what it takes to assimilate as an immigrant to this new community mm-hmm. and also what it takes as far as having certain things unpredictably happen whether it be storms whether it be the forces of of um of recording something like like that's what it that's what always happens or like or like just you trying to trying to bring things into a uh, a bigger sense of reality and the title is still kind of confusing to me to like trying to pinpoint why that and i think i think so like the title minari refers to a certain plant and i think they call it like it's like a form of celery but you can also use like parts of the leaves for like stuff and i think i want to say that the theme of why they called it that because they say that the Minari plant is very adaptable and can be used in many things. And I want to say that they're applying that resourcefulness or that, that every, that every, everything kind of used. Oh, okay. No, I get it. I think that maybe the reason that they called it Minari is because, yeah, like you said, is that it was a plant that can be displaced and basically grow anywhere. Just like, you know, they decided to grow their roots in America right. instead of where they were originally from. Right. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And and also, there was a big, uh, there was a big connection with water. And that if you, just, if you just place something by the right place of, like, body of water, it will grow mm-hmm. kind of thing. You know, and they put that, you know, they, they placed the... Uh, the grandma, which she's also a big part of the movie, she placed that into she 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 planted the the Minari by a certain body of water. I liked the movie, I really did. I think at its core, it's the immigrant story and just the basic struggle that immigrants just happen to go through. 
I don't know though. There's still that piece of me that just I don't know if it was if it felt like it just ended abruptly. I don't know if it was like it was it sort of it was kind of unfulfilling. To be honest with you. like take it from somebody take it from somebody that was waiting like three months for this movie to come out. I was counting down the days. And it's not that it wasn't good. It's just that it was I don't think the storytelling was quite strong enough. Or maybe it was too subtle for me to get. Maybe I'm not as bougie as I think I am. I don't even want to say it was unfulfilling. I definitely got a fulfillment of the story. I just think there was a lack of passion, almost. I didn't didn't feel the passion of, like, why this farm was so important. Maybe that could be it. I, I I didn't feel like there was anything at stake. Besides, like, the obvious stuff between the family and them building the farm, I didn't feel a a huge connection to a lot of other things, and I feel like that was kind of like the 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 missing piece. So, how many Ricardo stars would it get? I give it eight. So, with all of that criticism, because you have hardly said anything positive about this film, it's still a good movie. Like I said, I still I still did, I didn't I didn't I didn't feel unfulfilled. I got what the what the movie was trying to say. Like I said, it's very simple at the end of the day. I don't think there's too many, like, oh, this is what this secretly means. This is what Yeah, this. it's I not a moonlight. I yeah. don't think it was trying to, like, play into, like, these, like, unconventional ways of, like, telling a story. I think it was very straightforward. Now, are there some symbolisms? Yeah, I would say so. And are there, like, some, I think, very cultural things that maybe if you're Korean, you can, like, maybe identify more with? For sure. Even I- then, it's not that hard to follow. I just think there was, I just didn't feel the passion in some things. And I think that's what it boils down to. But overall, still a good film. So that's your picks for this week. Uh, Human being, if you want to be a little bougie and treat yourself this week, we have Araya and the Last Dragon for uh, $30 on Disney Plus and I think $19.99 for Minari on, what was it, HBO Max? Oh, Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. Uh, So that is it for this week. Thank you for hanging out with us. Uh, Y recuerda a suscribir el podcast y compartirlo en todos los redes sociales. I'm getting better. See you next week on the In Living Spanglish podcast. We out. Woo.